You are Locked On Rams, your daily Los Angeles Rams podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Rams Nation, what is happening? It is your boy, your host, Sosa Cremendez. I am a fantasy analyst at Pro Football Focus and your host of the Locked On Rams podcast, your number one daily podcast covering the Los Angeles Rams. Today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selections, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. Welcome to your second to last episode of this week. This is your Thursday episode here at the Locked On Rams podcast. As always, I appreciate you guys for tuning in to another episode here with me. And today, like always, we got some interesting stuff to talk about. I want to dive into something that Peter Schrager of NFL Network, Good Morning Football, many other places brought up on Good Morning Football yesterday morning. He talked about the Rams potentially making a play for wide receiver Julio Jones. I want to spend the first segment on that, kind of relay that into the second and third segments and talk about the new vertical passing attack for the Rams, taking a look at Matthew Stafford, comparing him to Jared Goff, and sort of continuing that discussion that Brad and I had yesterday about some of those interesting storylines for the Rams and the passing attack obviously being one of them, arguably the most important. So we will begin with the Julio Jones topic and for the record, this was not a report. This was an opinion by Peter Schrager, but I do think it's worth noting because Peter Schrager is one of the most plugged in people when it comes to the NFL and specifically with the Rams. He had a show last year. I believe it was once per week, so a weekly episode with Sean McVay, the head coach of the Rams, and I didn't actually ever listen to it, but it was like a five-minute skit every single week where they had some sort of like a press conference interview type of thing and you know, that just goes to show how plugged in Schrager is with the Rams. And, you know, that's why I think this info is not necessarily important, but it is something to note. And, you know, on Good Morning Football, like I mentioned, he was asked, I guess, a question about maybe who should go after Julio Jones. And, you know, he name dropped the Rams. He said, uh, you know, again, this is not a report. This is an opinion that the Rams are not the type of team to sort of sit around and hope that things get better. They've obviously been arguably the most aggressive. I would say they are the most aggressive team in the NFL right now in terms of acquiring veteran talent, going and trading away picks, and you know not being concerned about things like draft picks, first round picks in specific, you know the salary cap, obviously, all these situations that come along with that, and. You know, the Rams haven't really been shy of going out and acquiring expensive veterans who teams are sort of pawning off. You look at the Jalen Ramseys, the Dante Fowlers, the obviously Matthew Stafford now, the Brandon Cooks, all these different guys the Rams traded for, Marcus Peters, Aqib Tlaib, and it really brings the point home, I guess, that Schrager does have a point here in the sense that the Rams are the team that, you know, is very aggressive. They're not going to sit back on their heels and just hope things kind of get better in terms of their development. They are going to go out into the market and find guys that they think are going to improve their team. Now, again, I don't think this is necessarily going to happen. The Rams have arguably the deepest wide receiver core in the NFL. I would say if you stack up the Rams top five wide receivers right now to any other team in the NFL's top five wide receivers, you probably come away saying that the Rams have more depth than any other team in the NFL. Obviously, the two established players, Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, they're going to be your main Go-to guys, the guys that are going to run good routes, good hands, convert first downs, you know, have the majority of the statistics and the production at those spots. But after them, you look at the Rams obviously paying Deshaun Jackson roughly $5 million. That's a pretty good amount of money for a guy 
who's going to be a wide receiver three. The deep threat, obviously, he has that role. You look at Van Jefferson. The Rams drafted him 57th overall. You don't draft guys 57th overall and then have no expectations for them and simply view them as depth pieces. I genuinely think that the Rams are very high on Van Jefferson, and they view him in that exact same light as a Robert Woods and as a Cooper Cup. And then after him, you have the most recent pick, another 57th overall pick in Tutu Atwell, who is essentially just Deshaun Jackson all over again. And, you know, he's going to also play that vertical role. He's going to play that gadget role for the Rams. And so doesn't really leave much space for Julio Jones. Now, I don't think the concern for the Rams or the disconnect is going to be, you know, draft picks or not having anything to send to Atlanta or, you know, being afraid of acquiring a elder, I guess, player at this point. Julio Jones is on the wrong side of 30 at this point, I believe. And, you know, that's not the issue. The issue is, where's he going to play, right? The Rams clearly like their wide receivers and it just doesn't seem likely that Julio Jones is an option for them. Maybe he would have been if we were talking about this three months ago before they signed Deshaun Jackson, before they drafted Tutu Atwell, and maybe when they didn't convert the contracts of Robert Woods and or Cooper Cup, you know, obviously they reworked those contracts a few months ago with restructures, pushing some guaranteed money into next year and in future years. So basically securing their spots with the team as well. And that's kind of the issue here is the Rams just don't have a spot for him. Do I think Julio Jones would be a great addition? Absolutely. I think we're still talking about, you know, a top, three wide receiver in football, maybe even better. If Julio is healthy, he might still be the best wide receiver in general in football, the entire NFL. That's how good he still is. I don't think his play has fallen off at all. And, you know, there is the concern there, obviously, that at some point he might start to slow down or, you know, that his injury history might start to creep up on him a little bit. But Peter Schrager did make a good point. He does have the connection with Raheem Morris. He said Raheem Morris and Julio are very tight. And Raheem Morris was obviously with the Falcons last year as their D coordinator. And once their head coach, Dan Quinn, was fired, Morris took over that interim head coach role. So obviously has a ton of familiarity there. And not only that, but Les Snead is also from the Atlanta Falcons. Now, that was a long time ago. I think all the way back in 2012 when he joined the Rams. So been a long time. And his link to you know the Falcons is gone with Thomas Dimitrov no longer being there. But the Rams and the Falcons sort of have some links when it comes to you know, their front offices and their coaching staff. So there is some possibility, I guess, in terms of that aspect of things. But like I said, in terms of, you know, when you look at the lack of draft picks that the Rams have, specifically those early round picks, the lack of money and the logjam of good wide receivers that they currently have, I just don't think it's very realistic. You know, if we're talking about this in 12 months time, maybe next January when, you know, things are a little bit more clear. Maybe Deshaun Jackson has either retired or is gone from the Rams. And, you know, we have a little bit clearer of a picture at that wide receiver room. Maybe then they could make a play for Julio Jones if he still does obviously last this season with the Falcons. But there is a strong possibility that he doesn't make it through this season with the Falcons. There's obviously a lot of smoke there. And, you know, typically where there's smoke, there is fire as well. So, you know, he could get traded at any point over the course of this offseason. But, I just don't think the Rams are going to be a player. It is fascinating because Peter Schrager said it, and Schrager is absolutely someone to note. And like I said, very plugged in. So obviously it is worth noting and you know worth talking about and actually exploring because the Rams are always going to be a team to explore getting better. But 
in this scenario, I just can't see the Rams being players. I think they're a little bit too loaded at that receiver room. They have a lot of guys that can fulfill a lot of different roles. And that is what we're going to dive into in the next segment. I mentioned it at the beginning of the podcast. I want to take a look at one of those storylines that Brad and I talked about yesterday, the passing attack and some of the roles in that receiver room, as well as how Matthew Stafford is going to translate to his new offense and his new scheme with the Rams. And while we've got you, make sure to come connect with us on Twitter for all the coverage you need on the Los Angeles Rams. You can find me at QB's MEP and you can find the page at Locked on Rams. Folks, are you having any car troubles? Do you ever go outside to find your car tires flat or your car won't start? Well, you should absolutely check out rockauto.com for your service needs. Rock Auto is a family owned business that's been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. If you're a do-it-yourselfer or a professional and you're looking for reliably low prices, you should absolutely check out Rock Auto. All you have to do is go to their website and check out all their available parts. If your car needs it, there's a good chance that they have it. Amazing selections, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com and write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us so they know that we sent you. Welcome back to the second segment of this Thursday episode of the Locked On Rams podcast. I appreciate you guys for making it to this segment. And we are going to pick up right where we left off before the break. And I want to take a look, a deep dive into this new offense, the new dynamic between new quarterback Matthew Stafford, I guess head coach Sean McVay as well, and the new wide receivers and obviously the returning wide receivers as well, who are likely among the most important players in this equation. Now, I dug up some fun and interesting stats just looking at Matthew Stafford, looking at Jared Goff last year and really over the course of... 2017 through 2020 because that was when McVay took over for the Rams and when we got a legitimate sample size from Jared Goff in you know a couple seasons as well as Matthew Stafford and I think it really shows you know the difference between these two guys these PFF stats here now looking at last year Matthew Stafford with the Lions I mentioned on a few podcasts now they had a lot of injury issues lost a bunch of receivers to injuries Kenny Galladay plays four games Danny Amendola gets hurt a couple of other guys get hurt so You look at the average depth of target for the receiver core. Quintess Cephas, an undrafted free agent, led the way with 17.4 yards per target on average. That is a very large figure for the most part. Next up, Marvin Hall, 17.1. And in third for the Lions last season, Kenny Galladay, 16.9. All three guys were literally at that 17 or higher mark. Kenny Galladay came in 0.1 yards below in terms of his average depth of target. Now, if you look at the yearly highs for Jared Goff over the course of his career under Sean McVay, so 2017 through 2020, we'll work backwards. 2020 last year, 11.5 was the highest mark for the Rams, and that was Van Jefferson in terms of the average depth of target. 11.5. Stafford had three guys clear that mark by over five to six yards. I mean, that is absurd. When you look at 2019, Brandon Cooks led the way with 14 and a half. 2018, Josh Reynolds with 13.9. And in 2017, Sammy Watkins with 15.2. So at no point in Jared Goff's career with the Rams did he have a single wide receiver with an average depth of target as high as Kenny Galladay did last year for the Lions. And he was their third ranked receiver in terms of average depth of target. If that doesn't really share and display the difference in philosophical view between quarterbacks in terms of how far and how often they want to push the ball deep. I'm not really sure you could put it in any other way. Jared Goff, in my opinion, 
it's just an issue. He doesn't want to throw the ball deep. He's not going to look to push it deep. And I think Sean McVay knew that. And I think he had to sort of tailor some of his play calls towards that. But I don't think it's a Sean McVay problem. I think it's a Jared Goff problem. Now, when you look at the additions of guys like Deshaun Jackson and Tutu Atwell, makes a lot more sense. Obviously, the Rams talked about it. They want to get more explosive. And that is exactly why they added two guys with you know, 4-3 speed. Maybe Deshaun Jackson doesn't run that anymore. I'm not 100% sure. No one will ever know because he's never going to run a 40-yard dash again. But clearly, I think he still has the ability to get vertical. And now they go out and get themselves a quarterback who wants to push the ball deep. So everything really starts to tie in together here and make a lot of sense. Now, when you look at the comparisons between Goff and Stafford from 2017 through 2020, Stafford, 8.9 average depth of target. Goff, 8.1. So We're not talking a small sample size anymore. We're talking a pretty large one. This is four seasons worth. Stafford had nearly a whole yard more than Jared Goff did in terms of his average depth of target. Now, you look at the air yards, and that is just the yardage from throw to when the ball was caught. 55.2% of Matthew Stafford's yards over the course of those years were air yards. You look at Jared Goff, 50.4% of his yards were air yards, so about 5% less, and that is quite a big difference. Again, over the course of four seasons, a larger sample size. That, again, speaks to just how much Matthew Stafford would push the ball down the field, not necessarily you know, on just vertical shots, but majority of his yardage coming before yards after the catch. So a lot of his production was just based on what he was able to do as opposed to what his receivers and weapons were able to do. Now, Jared Goff wasn't that far off with a 50.4%, but... 5% is still a relatively big margin. And arguably, I think the more interesting comparison here is when you look at the next statistic is 44.8% of Stafford's yards over those seasons were yak yards and Goff 496 So just a tick under 5% more for Jared Goff. And it sort of ties into the same thing with the air yards where Matthew Stafford, a lot of his production came from throw to catch and in that span of time as opposed to you know what receivers did after the catch whereas Jared Goff a lot more of his production came after the catch and that is a different kind of attack I guess when you're talking about a passing offense because one of them is sort of a more vertical more downfield push the ball type of attack in terms of what the Lions did with Matthew Stafford and one of them was more you know rhythm style passing and We're just trying to get the ball into our weapons hands and we're going to let these guys try to create yardage after the catch. And that was what the Rams did more so with Jared Goff. And so it's going to be very fascinating to see, obviously one of the storylines to look at is how they adjust the offense and what the passing offense looks like going into this next season. Obviously, there's going to be a big change in terms of the quarterback, their philosophies, the way they attack defenses. And, you know, just the turnover worthy plays, I guess you could say, because Jared Goff was obviously leading the NFL in terms of turnovers over the past few seasons. When you look at the fumbles and interceptions combined and Matthew Stafford is not that guy. So that is one obvious improvement, but it's going to be fascinating to see just, you know, what kind of offense does this end up being? Because Matthew Stafford is not going to throw those three yard passes on third and 13 like Jared Goff often did and like Sean McVay had to call for Jared Goff because of the lack of trust. You know, that's why they call a lot of screens on third and 13 or draw plays on third and 15 or, you know, these short little simple plays. They're not running them because they think they're going to work. They ran them because 
They simply did not trust Jared Goff and did not want him to implode in terms of getting sacked and fumbling the ball or turning a bad play into a worse one with an interception or a pick six or something along those lines. And so they had to do what they had to do to try and protect him with a very, very low percentage play in terms of actually trying to convert those long first downs. And so, you know, that was something that hampered the Rams offense a lot and something that I think is going to be a big difference going into next season. And I want to talk more about that as well as the passing weapons for Matthew Stafford and how they might differ going into this next season for him as opposed to what they did with Jared Goff. And while we've got you, make sure to check back tomorrow at the Locked on Rams podcast. We're going to host another episode here of our Mailbag Friday. So make sure to shoot over some questions to me on Twitter at QB's MVP or at Locked on Rams. Baseball season is in full swing and you can track all the action at BetOnline. This week has tons of sports action as the NBA playoffs kicks off and the NHL playoffs have already kicked off. And you can get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC and MMA action at BetOnline. Before the next pitch, head over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. That's betonline.ag. The fitness industry is incredibly confusing and oversaturated with BS. I'd like to think that my word holds a lot of weight as I have lost 155 pounds over the last two and a half years. And throughout that process, I've been looking for the best protein bar on the market. And I finally found one called the Built Bar. And I promise you guys, this guy comes second to none. The taste and the texture of these bars is absolutely phenomenal. It's unlike any other on the market. Not only that, but they're absolutely delicious. They have nine different flavors. They're low in calories. They're healthy. They're low in sugar. They have 19 grams of protein per bar. They're high in fiber, and they even work for you if you are on a keto diet. You'll even get a free cooler with your purchase while the supplies last. All you have to do is just go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCK15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. Use the promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Today on the Locked On Today podcast, Jason Tatum put the Boston Celtics on his back and advanced them out of the play-in round. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. Welcome back to the final segment here of the Thursday episode of the Locked On Rams podcast. I'm your host, Sosa Kermenjas, and we're going to pick right back up where we left off talking about, in my opinion, and in probably most people's opinions, the most interesting and intriguing storyline for the Rams in terms of what their team is going to look like going into training camp, going through these OTAs, going into next season, and that is the dynamic of quarterback Matthew Stafford, how he fits in this new offense, and his new weapons, because the Rams, make no mistake about it, I think they felt good about their offense, but they did everything they had to do and that they could do this offseason to try and improve that offense, specifically that passing offense. You look at, obviously, the additions of Deshaun Jackson, who is one of the greatest deep threats in NFL history. The decision to draft Tutu Atwell, a lot higher than probably most people had him going. And not only that, but at a position that the Rams obviously didn't need, 57th overall, they could have used a lot of different players, potentially, you know, an inside linebacker, an edge rusher, an offensive lineman, maybe a cornerback even. So a lot of different positions, the Rams elected to add more weaponry on the offensive side of the ball. And this is why I'm so excited about this passing attack. I mean, Matthew Stafford is currently, according to betting markets, inside the top five 
in potential MVP winners. And I think it makes so much sense. Now, it is sort of like a big leap of faith because we've seen Matthew Stafford play for, you know, 12 years at this point, and he's never really reached that MVP caliber type of quarterback play, but he's never had a head coach like Sean McVay. He's never had an offense as talented as this one, I think, for the Rams here, as many wide receiver weapons, tight end weapons. I don't think he's ever really played for a team as good as the Rams are going to be this season. And that really all makes sense in terms of the MVP voting and why he's so high. Now, you know, I'm very intrigued to see how they actually utilize these weapons because it's fair to expect that Robert Woods and Cooper Cup are typically going to be your two receivers that you play in two wide receiver sets. I think both guys have a good shot to cross that 1,000 yard mark like they have multiple times over the past few seasons. You know, they're obviously your best wide receivers. They're the guys you pay the most the guys you trust the most. So, you know, they're going to get their run. And I think both guys are going to play 85% of snaps plus, if not higher, you know, barring injury and all that kind of stuff. So hopefully they can stay healthy, but it's the fun stuff that comes after that, in my opinion. Now, I'm just imagining Deshaun Jackson lining up in a three wide receiver set, you know, with Robert Woods, with Cooper Cup and running a post route or running some sort of, you know, deep vertical style of route where Matthew Stafford's under center, runs a play action type of play, and just launches it deep to a guy like Deshaun Jackson. I know you can't necessarily expect him to stay healthy, but I just know Matthew Stafford is not going to be afraid of pushing it deep. And as long as he's giving these guys an opportunity, there is going to be some big plays. I mean, once again, looking at another PFF statistic, dummying down the average depth of target, because that, in my opinion, is just the biggest difference between Stafford and Goff. If you look at just... The last two seasons, 2019 and 2020, where most people would suggest that Jared Goff obviously fell off mostly, Matthew Stafford's average depth of target was 10.1. That was an elite figure. That was the second most among all quarterbacks with 150 plus passing attempts over those two seasons. So number two, the only guy that was higher than him was Jameis Winston. And, you know, I think we all know what Jameis Winston is as a quarterback. He's a guy who is the legitimate term gunslinger, has no care for interceptions, turnovers. He's just going to sling it every single time. And they both kind of have that same mentality in terms of we're pushing it. When you look at Jared Goff, his A dot average depth of target drops to 7.4 from 2019 to 2020, the same time frame that Stafford registered a 10.1. Stafford ranked second among all quarterbacks. Jared Goff ranked 43rd. That is not even in the realm of starting quarterbacks. There's 32 starting quarterbacks, and he ranked 43rd in this regard. That just really goes to show you how much his play fell off over the last two seasons. And not just that, we're not even talking about the turnovers, you know, all the boneheaded plays, but... We're talking just about the philosophical view of not wanting to push it deep. And that drove Sean McVay crazy, I think. He mentioned it so many times. We want explosive plays. There's just not a good opportunity to score and be a productive offense if you're consistently relying on 10, 12, 15 play drives. Essentially, that means that, you know, the moment you have a negative play, whether that's some sort of a wide receiver screen, a run for negative yardage, you know, a jet sweep that loses yardage, whatever it is. As long as you have any play like that or any penalty, any holding flag, any type of thing like that, anytime you're going backwards, you essentially may as well punt the ball because your offense was not explosive enough to create and cover that deficit. And more often than not, you just weren't going to be able to make up for it. And now they don't have those issues. At least we don't think they do because Matthew Stafford is not going to play the same way that Goff played. And so I'm so intrigued to just see how this offense is going to be. 
I genuinely think this does have a chance to be the most productive offense that the Rams have had under the Sean McVay regime, maybe compared to 2018, maybe not as good in terms of like points per game or something like that. But if we're talking about passing offense, passing yardage, explosive plays of 15 plus yards, 20 plus yards, you know, an average depth of target, if we're looking at numbers like that, I genuinely think this season, Stafford, McVay, this offense, they have a legitimate shot to put together a top five offense, maybe the best offense that the Rams have had under Sean McVay, maybe the most productive one they've had under Sean McVay. And I'm genuinely super excited just to see the new dynamic between Stafford, his new weapons, how quickly they can get caught up in terms of their chemistry, how quickly they can gel, and how the Rams are ultimately going to rotate these wide receivers because they have five guys that are worthy of playing and obviously only you know, three, maybe two of them can play at a time. Sometimes maybe four if you're really, really pushing it, but not everyone's going to be on the field at the same time. And obviously having the depth is going to be important. Having the different roles and different abilities is going to be important. You have those chain moving guys like Woods, Cup, and Jefferson. You have the explosive players like Atwell and Jackson. You have guys that can play that gadget role like 2-2 Atwell again. You have guys that you're going to throw the ball to on third and seven because you need a conversion in the worst way in a Cooper Cup, maybe a Robert Woods. So they have a lot of different varying flavors, sort of like pick your ice cream flavor here in that wide receiver room. And I think the Rams made it a point here in this offseason to take everything that they could, throw it at the wall, see what sticks, and to give Stafford every single opportunity that they have to try and feel the best offense that they can this offseason because I still think that they believe in their defense to be good enough, but the offense definitely needs to take a big step forward compared to what they put together last year, which was just your average offense at best. And I think that's why the Rams were so incessant on going and getting a bunch of these guys, spending early draft capital, spending big money, and spending obviously a lot of those draft picks to go get a guy like Stafford in a trade that sort of shocked the world. And I'm intrigued to see what this passing offense is going to do. I know you guys are the same, and we're going to continue to keep diving in topics like this throughout the rest of the offseason because really, we're going to have to wait until week one to see what they're going to field on offense. But I think a lot of people are expecting the same thing, and that's a very productive passing offense and a very, very exciting one that is going to produce a lot of big plays on Sundays for the Rams in 2021. That is all we got for you guys on this episode of the Locked on Rams podcast. And I hope we broke down that storyline a little bit more in depth because, man, I still feel like we could talk more about it, to be honest with you. But it's obviously a very important one. Stafford is going to make or break the season for the Rams for the most part. And that is why we want to continue to dive into the most important topics as well as the most intriguing storylines. And I mentioned tomorrow's episode is going to be another fan mail mailbag episode here. So Please check back for that. We're going to continue our coverage here for the Los Angeles Rams all offseason long. And just a reminder, come connect with us on Twitter at QB's MVP and at Lockdown Rams. Please subscribe or follow to get our latest episodes, content, breaking news, and a whole lot more.